I want to kind of launch from 2 Timothy 1.7, probably a familiar verse of scripture to you. And uh, if you can't quote all of it, you can at least quote some of it, I am sure. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, today is, is Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. And Jesus, you know, this is the Sunday we celebrate Jesus re-entering Jerusalem. He has been ministering in the Galilee, and he is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the crowds are thick and joyous and celebratory, and they're waving palm branches and laying them down in the road for the donkey who is carrying Jesus to step upon and throwing their, their clothing uh, on them and on the ground and, and uh, celebrating Jesus really as a king, as an earthly king. And uh, I think that's, that's kind of their hope. But Jesus knew, in fact, uh, as they were traveling from the Galilee back to Jerusalem, Jesus was warning his disciples, saying, that the Son of Man, speaking of himself, is going to be uh, betrayed and uh, die uh, there in Jerusalem. And, of course, the disciples still were kind of filtering that, not really understanding that. And, and, uh, and so, but Jesus was very, very clear about what was going to go on. He wasn't swayed by the crowds and all the adulation and all of the Hosanna to the son of David, although that was all in fulfillment of Scripture. But Jesus knew exactly he was riding that donkey into the teeth of hell and that he would suffer and that he would die on the cross in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know about you. Um, I think I would have been finding the road out of Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, certainly it couldn't be God's will, could it, right? Suffer, to die. Um, I, you know, I think we tend to think in terms of God's will is like, you know, comfort and, and peace for me. And, uh, and yet here in full obedience to the will of the Father, Jesus was writing into his destiny. What incredible courage, what incredible uh, faith that Jesus displays and exhibits for us as we look. So 2 Timothy 1.7 here, I want us to, to gain that spirit that Jesus demonstrates. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And you can say the rest with me. I think it flows pretty well, pretty easy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. You know, I always wondered, you know, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, and I kind of understand that, you know, power over, you know, the things that we're fearful of, but love, what, is, what does love have to do with this? Well, Scripture, again, interprets Scripture, right? And, uh, and we're told in John's epistles that perfect love casts out what? Fear. Love and fear are connected. And when you have fear, it repels love, love for others. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But when we are full of love, it dispels fear. 
And love for what? Love for mankind? Love for apples? Uh, you know, what, what are we loving here? When we love Jesus, it removes fear out of our heart. Jesus displays this. His love for the Father dispelled the fear that you and I would have naturally felt and Jesus would have naturally felt as he's writing in Jerusalem. And so I hope this all makes sense for us. God has not given a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and of a sound mind. You know how fear destabilizes us and people who are in fear do irrational things and, and uh, panic and, and all of those things. God has dispelled that for us and not given us that spirit, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. You know, there's so many great verses. We've been kind of traveling this journey this year of living above and beyond. And, and uh, we, can, we can apply that in so many areas of our life. Um, but today, as is, is we contemplate the Palm Sunday and what that represents... Uh, I, I want to I talk about living above and beyond fear. What would you do different in your life if you were not afraid? Hmm? <laughs> if you were not afraid, what would you do? I'd quit my job. I'd go on adventures. I'd, you know, <laughs> whatever. I don't know what, what your deep desires are. But what would you do different if you were simply not afraid to do it, or whatever it took to do it. You know, that's the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live. Next Sunday, I'll give you a little preview. Uh, as uh, speak at uh, the high school and, and, and all, is uh, that Jesus came to present to us an abundant life. What does the abundant life look like? I asked myself that question a few years ago. I th you know, because abundant life, you know, geez, I have come, then you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. I mean, I've been seeing that all of my life, and then I finally asked the obvious question, well, what does that look like? What does the abundant life look like? Am I living it? Is this it? I didn't think it would look like this. And I've been in search of it ever since. What does it mean to live abundantly? Well, I think one of the things that it certainly includes, is living above and beyond my fears. Am I afraid to do this? Am I afraid to talk to this person? Am I afraid to take a risk? Am I afraid to step out in faith? Am I afraid? The thing that holds us back is fear. I think living above and beyond is, is really about conquering fear, and it isn't about eliminating things like fear. We, we will always deal with fear. I think Jesus in his full humanity, had to deal with fear. Um, but he lived above and beyond that. He overcame it. Um, but we rise above being controlled or limited by the fear that we, that we feel. Uh, a few Sundays ago, I talked about living in the eye of the storm and, you know, in, in those big hurricane-type storms, you know, the... Uh, one of the things that uh, is very uh, clear, you know, is, is that, you know, is that storm is circling and, and all, there's the eye of the storm and you can see it, you know, from the satellite pictures in space, you know, that in the center there's this relative calm, even though 
in the outer bands of that storm, it might be blowing 100 miles an hour. It might be blowing 120 miles an hour and, and wreaking destruction. But if you're in the eye of the storm, it may not even seem like there is a storm. And even though you are in the middle of the storm, and, and that's what we're, I think we ought to f- try to find that place in whatever storm we are living in in our life. And it might be just a storm of fear that uh, maybe paralyzes us uh, a bit and, uh, and that we can choose to, you know, ride out the storm in the, all the wind and destruction and all of that, or we can choose to be in the eye of the storm and uh, we can choose the spirit of fear, we can choose the spirit of power, love, and, and a sound mind. And if we could tap into this spirit of power, love, and a sound mind a little more consistently, I think the spirit of fear would not have such a grip on us. Uh, it's a story I've told before, uh, but it's been a while. And so if you've heard me, just, just patience here. But um, there was a, a day several years ago, we had a beautiful day like this, and it was kind of uh, early in the summer, and uh, we were going to cross uh, Kachemak Bay to go to the other side of the bay, Sadie Cove. Anybody been to Sadie Cove, Doug Clams? You know, they got great clam beds there, and, and uh, we uh, just had a wonderful time. I had my 18-foot open skiff, and I had my two sons uh, with me, and uh, going over was just Beautiful. It was just easy getting into Sadie Cove. It was like glass. We go clear to the end, and we're digging clams. We get a bucket full of clams. Well, it, it uh, eventually became time to go back home, and we're across Catchmack Bay, and uh, things had changed a little bit. <laughs> the uh, the tide was uh, was on its way out, and the wind was you know the tide was moving out, but the wind was cutting across. Usually those things kind of go together, but we had a crossing wind, and, and that creates some havoc uh, with, the, with the waves. And so the, the waves, you know, as they were, you know, mounting up, that wind would kind of shear off the top of the waves and spray, you know, and, and, uh, and it was kind of spooky. I'll just say that maybe the spirit of fear was not far away. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> And uh, I thought, well, okay, uh, I don't want my sons to be afraid. I don't want, they're, they're younger, and uh, I thought, I do not want to convey fear to them, okay? I've got a responsibility here. And I, so I thought, you know, how are we going to ride this out? And I thought, you know, we can choose to be afraid, or we can choose to just say, hey, this is the greatest adventure. You know, something that came to me at a time like that is, you know, um, what if you knew in any scary situation that you were entering, what if you knew that you were going to be okay at the end of it? Would that change how you went through it? So like if you were, if you were just absolutely guaranteed, maybe you got in a time machine and you saw that, okay, yeah, you crossed the bay and uh, all that wind and waves, and you got wet, and the boat, boat was full of water, and all of those things, but you made it. You were, you were safe, and no harm done. At, at the end of that, how, would it change how you went through that process, how you crossed the bay? And, uh, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to assume this, that we are going to make it, okay? Uh, Homer Spit is way over there, 
But I'm going to assume that we are going to make Homer spit and the safety of Homer spit. I'm just going to assume at the end of the day, we're going to still be alive. And I thought, so with that assumption, here we go. And uh, so we went out there and, you know, the, the waves are whipping that little 18-foot boat around. And, uh, you know, the, the waves would mount up and that crossing wind would kind of sheer the top of those waves off and spray that water all over us. And, uh, I mean, we were, we were soaking wet and the water's in the boat. And, and uh, every time that would happen, you know, we'd kind of smash into a wave and, the spl- you know, the spray would go up and then the wind would whip it down on us. We'd just, uh, we'd just uh, yell out, Woohoo! <laughs> Why? Because we were assuming we were going to be okay on the other side. We made it. We're okay. I'm here. They survived. And it made what would have been a frightening situation an adventure. And it changed the way we went across. And we made, you know, a memory out of that instead of just cowering and feeling fearful. Uh, it was a great adventure and cheering each other on and whooping it up instead of feeling grim and white-knuckled and, and afraid is a, is a much better way to go. Because we decided that we weren't going to give in to the spirit of fear. Assume you may be in a storm right now. You may be in a, in a difficulty right now. But assume this, that you're going to survive on the other side. Is that when you get to the other side, you're going to be okay. And it may be rough. You may get wet. You may, you know, get tossed around. But assume you're going to make it. And that is our choice. That is our choice. Our choice, uh, you know, in that adventure we had, didn't change the tide. So when we went out into the bay, uh, we didn't... uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, find calm waters. So our choice to not be afraid didn't smooth the water. It didn't change the wind. It didn't change the fact that we got really wet and the boat had a lot of water in it. Um, but what did change was us. We were different. We changed. And we were empowered and energized by the experience. So... Here's Jesus entering Jerusalem. He's not fooled by the fickle crowds that have waving palm branches and children shouting Hosanna to the son of David and the garments being strewn in the the roadway for his donkey to tread upon. He's not fooled by that. He knows what's ahead. And within that week, he's fighting opposition every step, every day and eventually is on hanging on the cross on Friday and giving up his life. He knew that. But he also knew something else. The resurrection day was coming. That he would be okay. And we're celebrating, we are here today because 
he made that assumption. And in his foreknowledge, it probably was an assumption, but there's a measure of faith there, Jesus' humanity. Um, so I asked the question, my first point is, is this today, based on your experience with God, and, and I, I like to just sometimes assess the situation. You are here, you're sitting here today. As a testimony that God has helped you in the past, and I think if we were to, to sit and think about it for a moment, every single one of us in this room could think of a time in our life that we could say, God has helped me. I didn't know how, what I was going to do. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what kind of provision would be made for me. But God helped me out. I think every single one of us have had a time like that in our lives. And, uh, and so based on your experience with God, what do you choose? Do you choose the spirit of fear? Or do you choose to live in the power of the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind? Uh, ask the questions, has God ever failed you? I think the fact that you're here today, the answer is no. God has not failed us. Has God ever run out on you? Has God ever said, ooh, looks a little hairy for me, I'll see you later. God doesn't do that, right? God hasn't run out on us. God, has God ever been not enough for you? Always, always is enough for what we need. You know, sometimes we're led to think uh, so in the short term. There are times where, you know, we're uncomfortable or maybe wet, if you will. Um, and, you know, the storm around us is affecting us and, and we're just a little put out with God that he, you know, he's not taking care of us enough. Um, but again, here we are. Sometimes it isn't until we have hindsight that we see the hand of God directly involved in our situation when we couldn't see it in the middle. Isn't that true? Sometimes we think in the middle, man, that was rough. I was all by myself. Where were you, God? And then we get through that, and in hindsight, we can look back on it and think, God, you were, you were there all the time. Sometimes you just can't see it at the moment. So given that God has never failed you in the past, God, that he's not failing you right now, can, what can we assume with God for our future? Right now, what can we assume about God and our future? The answer is, is this, is that God will remain faithful to us. God will remain faithful. He's not going to run out in the storm. It's not going to be too much for him to handle. He's not going to say, hey, here's the controls. I'm, I'm leaving. He's not going to do that. God will remain faithful. You can, we can assume this that because of his nature, his nature is to be faithful. That means he can't be unfaithful. Um, because of his nature to be faithful, we can choose to tap into the spirit of power, love, and of sound mind uh, because any other choice is the spirit of fear. One of the uh, attributes of God, we don't often talk the theology of God, but one of the attributes, one of the things that he is that uh, uh, is important for us to know is his, what theologians call his immutability. He does not change, okay? Uh, what another scripture you probably know is that Jesus Christ is the same what? Yesterday, yes. And today, and what else? 
forever. He doesn't change. He is not fickle. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, become unfaithful. He is absolutely the change. He is immutable. And, you know, we often say this, uh, there's nothing that God can't do. I think there's a song that has that line. There's nothing that our God can't do. And I understand what's trying to be said there, but do you realize there are things that God can't do? He cannot do. Did I say that right? There are things that God cannot do, despite sometimes what, what we say, and I think we mean that in a qualified sense. But, but what, what are the things that God cannot do? He cannot lie. He cannot be unfaithful. He cannot sin, and he cannot change. Because he is immutable. Here's, here's, some, here's some scriptures for you if you want to just kind of jot these down. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, okay? Isn't that, isn't that important? Have we ever lied? Oh, please, yeah. Let's move on, all right? God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and he will not make it good? Those are rhetorical questions. The answer, of course, is yes, absolutely. God will not lie. What about Malachi 3.6? For I am the Lord, I do not change. That's pretty emphatic. I am the Lord, I do not change. That's something that we can count upon. His immutability. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And I like this statement here. He cannot. Do you, do you see that there? He cannot. There are some things that God cannot do. He remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. That's who he is. I am faithfulness. And I will not deny that. So based on what God has done already in our lives, the fact that he has been faithful in our past, and the fact that he does not change or become unfaithful to us, what is the best assumption we can make for our future? What is, what is the most logical uh, decision we can make? Is that he will remain faithful and that we can assume that we will be okay. We will succeed. We will see God remain faithful in our lives. He will not fail us. Because of this, we can make an adventure out of storms and experience empowerment, or we can experience fear and weakness if we choose to give in to that spirit. So, based on your experience with God, what decision do you make? Number two is based on your experience with God, will you choose to remain in the eye of the storm. You know, that, that is a choice to remain in the eye of the storm. We can run into the storm if we want to, but we can remain in the eye of the storm. I want to I wanna look at uh, Matthew 8, 23 and 26 real quick. Um, and this is after Jesus has fed the multitude. This is now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him and suddenly a great 
tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. Ooh, where have I heard that story before, right? (laughs) Okay, he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him, and a good number of his disciples, not all of them, but a good number of them were, what, by occupation? Fishermen. From a, what were they fishing from? A boat. They have experience with boats. They have experience with water. They have experience with this water, Sea of Galilee. And they are afraid. Now, that's, that's pretty good evidence. Uh, should I be afraid? Well, they're afraid. <laughs> Maybe I should be afraid, too. But uh, here it is. His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. What were they assuming? They weren't going to make it. They were, gonna, they were assuming that we are not going to be okay. But he said to them, why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Do you see something here? Only one person was in the eye of the storm. There was a storm all around, and everybody else was in the storm, but Jesus was in the eye of the storm. What did Jesus, what did he already choose that they were going to be okay? They were going to make it. Everybody else in the storm, ah, we're dying, we're perishing, don't you even care, Jesus? Have you ever asked God if he even cares about you? That's, so, that's a question so easy to come by because when we're uncomfortable... We think, you know, that's, that's God's job, keeping us comfortable. You know, that's, that's why he's God, right? Because he's dedicated to keeping me comfortable at every moment. Of course, that's facetious. So, uh... But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. The men marveled, saying, who, who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Same boat, the same storm. Jesus is in the eye of the storm. So when you are in the storm and you're full of fear, understand what, what fear does to us. It, it takes up all of our capacity. And, you know, here we're talking about storms and all of that. Um, but, you know, storms come in a lot of ways. This little invite can conjure up some fear, a storm. I'm too afraid. <laughs> Uh, I know you probably don't want to, uh, but would, would, would you come to church? You know, <laughs> when, when we're full of fear, it robs us of our capacity. Um, capacity for what? Compassion? When we are afraid for ourselves, it's hard to have compassion on someone else. It's hard to have compassion on your neighbor who... Maybe the evidence points to the fact that they don't have a relationship with Jesus, and maybe you're a little afraid to ask them if they want to come to church on Easter Sunday. Why? Because we're, we, we can't feel compassion for them, that they are lost and going to an eternity without Christ, but we're afraid to ask them, and so it robs us of our compassion for that. If we could get rid of the fear, compassion would fill us. And we'd be unafraid. Would you like to go to church with me on Easter Sunday? But if we're full of fear, that doesn't leave room for compassion. And, uh, and so we, we tend to be in that storm. What is your storm today? How are you dealing with storm? Could be finances. That's, that's a common storm. Could be health. That's a common storm. 
could be, you know, fear of the future in some way. It could be the fear of missing out. It could be fear of other people and what other people think of us. There are just all kinds of storms, but it is our choice. We can't, we can't change the storm. It, we can't change what storms are going to do. Storms are going to do what they're going to do. But we can change where we ride out the storm. We can get out there in the worst of it and be fearful, or we can find the eye of the storm, trust God, assume, assume this, that we're going to make it to the other side and we're going to be okay. Because God is faithful and he has demonstrated his faithfulness to us and he will not be unfaithful even though we can't always see him in the middle of the storm. Would you stand as we uh, close our service this morning? And, and uh, whatever your storm is today, I want you to just admit that to yourself and to the Lord today. And if you have a storm you're going through, would you just maybe raise a hand or both of your hands? I'm raising both of my hands today. And say, Lord, we've got storms. But help us, Jesus, like you, to ride our faith right into the teeth of the storm until we find the eye of the storm. And Lord, that fear will not overcome us. Lord, our storms might be personal to us. They might be storms that are for someone else. Lord, we fear for them. And today, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to overcome fear, Lord, that we would reject the spirit of fear. We would embrace the spirit of power, love, sound mind. And Lord, let love, perfect love, cast out our fear today so we can operate in faith, we can operate in trust. And we can ride out this storm in the eye of the storm. And Lord, we just pray that you would work in your miraculous ways. And Lord, even if we can't see you right now, Lord, that we will understand that we will see your hand. Perhaps in retrospect, we'll look back on this and say, yeah, God, you had me all the time. I wish I'd been less afraid. I wish I'd been more of an adventure. So, Lord, help us today as we travel. Lord, in uncertain times, through this life, Lord, travel through this life. Things are changing. Things are different. And, Lord, it brings its own invitation to fear. But, Father, envelop us, Lord, in your presence. And, Lord, that we'll embrace your faithfulness. Lord, you cannot change. You cannot become unfaithful. You cannot lie to us. And Lord, what you tell us, we will hold as truth. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen.